settle our hearts for worship um, this evening. Gracious Lord Jesus, I thank you for, oh, I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for um, that even in the midst of, of things that are impacting our gathering together, uh, that you are uniting us together uh, by your Holy Spirit uh, across uh, the world from all the folks that are tuning in. And so, Lord, as we gather around our, our family tables or around uh, wherever we may be, grab our hearts, O oh God, to be uh, warmed by your presence, to be filled by the joy that just overflows as we remember the grace in which we have received and that you stooped down into history and came into this world as a baby to change history as we know it, to change the way that we, that we view our, our tomorrows, that we view what happens after we leave this world. You came into this world to save it, O oh God, and may we never, ever forget that. And may we always, always share that love and hope, that peace and that joy with others the joy and the peace and the love and hope that we have experienced in professing a faith in Jesus Christ, your Son. And so, Lord, we, we celebrate you. We, we gather around. We, we have cake. We have dessert. We have uh, feasts as we um, celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus. So be with us here tonight as we worship you and as we remind ourselves in the midst of the craziness of this season, in the midst of all the hubbub, in the midst of all of the weather and the snow and the cold temperatures, we take a moment, we pause, we take a breath, and we remember that you came into this world to save us and unite us back to you, and that this is good news of great joy. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I, I asked the, the molders, uh, they are here, so Matt and Larissa are here, and so is Stu, so I'm not all here by myself, they're pressing the buttons back there to keep us all together, and I asked them for a table up here just to kind of keep it casual, uh, because you all are at home, and, and if I was at home, I would be casual too, so, uh, so hopefully that, um, th that is not too distracting to you all. But as, as I thought about this, and <laughs> I wrote this message before, um, before we canceled uh, the the, the in-person services. And my first question to everybody here was going to be, what is your perfect Christmas? What is, uh, what is it that goes into making the perfect Christmas night for you all? Traditions and things. And as I was coming in, Larissa asked me, what are, what are some fun traditions that, that, that are done at the Horst household? And, and we have a great time. At when we were in Florida before coming here to Columbus, uh, we would go to my parents' house after the Christmas Eve services and have appetizers and just uh, enjoy each other's company. And then the next day would be uh, some sort of dinner, uh, whether that be uh, prime rib or lasagna. Uh, growing up, it was at my grandmother's house, my grandma O'Shea. In fact, both my mom and my grandma are the actual queens of Christmas. I think there was something that was in the news. There was an argument whether that was Kelly Clarkson or Mariah Carey. I say nay. It was neither of those two women. It was my mom and my grandmother. They are the reigning queens. As, they, as my mom sets up her entire home, there is Christmas trees in every room. It just looks like Christmas exploded in the house. She has been decorating since October. She actually decided this year that she was not going to decorate for Halloween and just went straight 
to Christmas. And so, uh, and it's always been a very, very big deal. And growing up, we always went to my grandmother's house for Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day for dinner. And uh, it was just a great tradition. One year, my Aunt Joy uh, tried to be nice and just decided she would host Christmas dinner. And it was awful. I mean, I love my Aunt Joy, and she's great, but it just was not the same. It was not a perfect Christmas for me as we were in someone's house. This is not Grandma's house. This is not Grandma's food. Why are we here? Who decided this? And that when we moved to Columbus, every year that we've now gone home to Florida for Christmas, something has impacted it and has made it not so perfect. Uh, and usually it's one of our children or all of us are sick. And so last year it was COVID, the year before that it was the stomach flu, the year before that it was head cold. I mean, it's been crazy. But it's easy to wrap up the quality of our Christmas in these variables. It is easy to wrap it all up in uh, how well the house is decorated, if family can be together. I remember one year my grandmother was so upset because it snowed just like it did and family couldn't get to the house to, to have dinner and, she, and, and Christmas was all but basically ruined that year because of the weather. And, and it's, you have to try to remember, especially what I talked about with joy, if we put all of our happiness and all of our hope and all of our wanting Christmas to be just right in those variables, it's setting us up for disaster because weather's going to happen whether we like it or not. The temperature as it did here in Columbus just went away. It was gone, uh, just totally bottomed out. And then um, you want to make sure that uh, you don't put your happiness in those things. And like Judy Krebs and her team, they put all these decorations up uh, for us. And it, was, uh, and it was wonderful. And we enjoyed them all Advent season long. And all I could think of was how Christmas Eve was going to look uh, when we came in here. And of course, this was not what I had in mind. But if we wrap our happiness, our joy, if we wrap all of that up in, the, in what needs to be a perfect Christmas in those things, we're not wrapping it up in the right area because they do not have the power to impact our perfect Christmas. Our perfect Christmas is found in the perfect gift of Jesus Christ who came into this world to save it just as I had prayed and who came into this world and arrived and changed history in the most perf perfect way. And so tonight as we think about all the things that it could impact our Christmases, I'm reminded of a song that we typically sing at Easter, uh, and it's called Because He Lives. And in fact, this, this Easter earlier this year, I, I preached on this song, but there's a second verse, and, it's, and it goes like this, and I think it's very appropriate for Christmas in our discussion tonight. And the verse goes, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he or she brings. But greater still, the calm assurance this child can face in certain days because he lives. All our hope, peace, joy, and love are perfected in this child. And when I say the word perfected, it is in the Greek the same word that Jesus says from the cross when he says, it is finished. It is perfected. It comes to that culmination all in this, in this little baby that has come into this world. And we can have the most perfect Christmas every year because he lives yesterday, today, and tomorrow and has brought all this into completion as we continue to wait on him. So let's talk about this. What does it mean to face uncertain days? I kind of organize this around facing uncertain days because our days are still dark. And why is Jesus the, the most perfect gift? 
Well, looking at uncertain days, I went to the, uh, the text in Isaiah 9. It's a famous text in the prophet Isaiah. And we have to remember that in, in the uh, Old Testament prophecies, these prophets were raised up to call out to a people who are wandering, to call out to a people who are uh, rejecting the Lord, who are um, um, worshiping idols, who are forgetting everything that God has, has kind of set down. And at different times, these prophets are entering into history at different moments where, where God's people are experiencing the, the curses that come from not following the Lord. And so Isaiah is, is uh, the passage that I'm going to read from chapter 9, which is a famous passage for Christmas, uh, is, is coming on the heels of, of him kind of talking to them about um, the invasion that, that's going to, that, to happen. And he gives them a great, a great call to wait before he, we get to ch uh, chapter 9. And he says this, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. I so one day, maybe, I don't know, after we get done with Acts, maybe we should look at Isaiah, because Isaiah continues to bring out this, this image of waiting and hoping in, in the Lord, and, and he puts a lot of stake in that. And as he says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house. That, to me, just speaks to the fact that when everything is going dark around God's chosen people, when the variables are closing in and it would seem that God has forgotten them, or worse, has turned away, Isaiah calls on God's people to wait and hope in him, to have faith, to trust in him. And as we know in Isaiah 40, there's the promise of supernatural strength when we do that. So then here comes chapter 9, after him warning, warning them about the, uh, the, the invasion and what's going to happen. Then chapter 9, he opens it up and says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. It's like, as he talks about, there's a time when it's all gone bad, but there will be a time when God is going to bring about the restoration. And then this, this, this is the famous Christmas passage. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, of them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of the oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle of tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as a fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now I wanted to read the whole thing and I, I went back and forth on it because in the middle of that we're talking about, you know, the, the, the staff being broken and every boot and warriors and blood and we're thinking this is Christmas Eve. 
Why are we getting so graphic, right? But as we, I wanted you to see that because God is working, working in the waiting. God is continuing to see what he wants to see done come to fruition. And then the promise that Isaiah gives is that the kingdom will have no end. There will be this perpetual continuance of the presence of God as they wait on him. This is the beauty part of our waiting on Christ. As we talk about this, this night when Jesus broke forth into humanity, he has come once and for all to save the world once and for all. And then we know that he dies and is resurrected once and for all to open the way back to the Father and satisfy the punishment of our sins. And then there is the promise that he will come again and that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this because his kingdom will have absolutely no end and we get to be a part of it. Isaiah's hope in here is waiting on the Lord to actually move and complete those things. And it's actually written in such a way that, that it's almost as if he's already seen it come to, to, to completion. His hope is so assured that God is going to interact and redeem his chosen people that the way in which he writes it, it's already kind of happened in his mind. And so that strengthens his waiting, and that's why he calls on everyone else to wait upon the Lord. And that in waiting on God, that God would show up and restore them. I think about the Jewish people at the start of the Gospels. And I, as, as we open up the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Mark doesn't really have uh, a nativity story. The Gospel of John kind of does, and we'll see that at the end of this message. But as we open up Matthew and Luke, we see people, Jewish people, God's chosen people, still trying to be faithful and live faithful lives. That means there is a great expanse of time where, where our scriptures kind of go silent and people continue to endure in their faith and in their spirit and in their waiting on the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth in the Gospel of, of Luke, as we uh, look at them and they give birth to John the Baptist, Luke says that they were, they were righteous and they were blameless before God, which means they were actively trying to live out the Ten Commandments to be, have righteous living uh, the way that God had, had laid it out. And then, of course, Mary, you know, she's found favor and has been blessed by the Lord and that she's following the customs. She's, she's, she's going to be married to this Joseph and, and, and things of that. So we know that they endured. We know that they waited just as Isaiah called them to do. But can you imagine how hard that faithful endurance must have been when the word of the Lord, when God and the prophets, when all that seemed to have gone silent? that they continued on with what they had in hopeful anticipation that God was going to come and set it all right. That just blows my mind. And as I think of our, our context and the time period that we are in, how many distractions cause us to look away from God and not, uh, and not follow Him and, and just kind of wander off the path. They didn't have as near as many distractions as we have and yet faithfully endured. And I love that word, faithfully endured, because that is, uh, that it came up as we were watching yesterday some Christmas movies. So, you know, it snowed yesterday, and it was cold, and, and, and so we stayed inside. I went to go and shovel. I did. Yesterday, I opened the door. The wind blew, and it just threw me back into my comfy chair, and I shut the door. But as we were watching those movies, there was, there's a theme 
that comes up in these popular movies. So our kids are into the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix with Goldie Hawn and Kurt, uh, whatever his last name is, and then the Santa Claus with, uh, what is that, Tim the Toolman Taylor, and then of course, uh, they haven't seen Elf, but I put it in there anyways. The theme of these movies that all incorporate St. Nicholas in it is that if Santa cannot get the gifts to people's homes, that the spirit of Christmas would completely dry up. That the world would be cast into darkness and into doom and into sadness because all hope is lost because children did not receive their presents at Christmas. And the Christmas Chronicles has this line that as they go through the whole story of, of trying to save Christmas and get, get the gifts out to all the houses, Santa looks at the kids and says, the spirit of Christmas must endure. Now these movies are great and they're fun and they're, 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 they're wonderful, they're traditions to watch, but they miss the message of Christmas just ever so, so little because it's not wrapped up in the material things and receiving those types of presents that the spirit of Christmas endures. For we know that the spirit of Christmas endures in our waiting and in our receiving the true most perfect gift which is found in Jesus who came to the world just that one time, came here as a baby, light burst forth through the darkness, and as he left, he gives us the Holy Spirit to continue to indwell with us in that perpetual, continual presence with the Lord to allow us to endure even when the world goes dark. We can face uncertain days, my friends, because the most perfect gift has already been given and has already arrived and that it continues to give us strength because he lives. Because he walked in this world as a human, because he took on sin for us, the punishment of our sins, and then he promises to return. And so in that in-between time, between the resurrection and when we see him again, we wait. And we wait not as weak people, we wait as people who within us, the perfection of hope, peace, joy, and love has been achieved because of our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. He is not some gift that we grow bored of. He is not some gift whose batteries run out on Christmas morning and you go rummage the junk drawer to try to find where the batteries are to keep the kids entertained. He is a gift that continues, the gift that continues and outlasts the Energizer Bunny and any LED light that we put up. We can have our faith assured, our peace secured, our joy fulfilled, and our love perfected and having faith and belief and waiting on Jesus the Christ who came into this world on this night, Christmas Eve, that was good news for great joy. In the midst of tremendous variables, the amount of things that was swirling around Jesus when he came is insane. Census, moving folks around, and then after he was born, Herod's antics of killing children and, and sin. I mean, there's just so many things that were swirling around, but God chose this most perfect time, this most perfect family to bring his son into this world, to change it forever, to love us first so that we would love him back. 
And so out of his love, as we look at the Advent candles, out of his love, we learned that the Lord came into this world, sent his son Jesus, the Christ, so that we may have life, so that we may have communion with God, so that we may return with him and have a place in his kingdom. And it's so great that that has happened because, as I said earlier today in this message, there are so many variables that surround our time. Our world can get extremely dark. It can take away our joy. It can take away our peace. It can take away our hope, especially when we try to have these things on our own without Christ. I think of the world of people who don't know him, who don't know his love, and how they endure through things of this world. Tonight there may be families who, who can't get together because of the snow and they think Christmas is ruined. Tonight there may be people who don't have a home, who are outside in this cold weather, who are wondering if anyone still remembers them. Tonight, there may be people who have chairs around their tables that are not filled anymore because their loved ones have gone on. And maybe they have lost all hope that God is even remembering them. But my friends, that, that is not the good news of great joy. For out of his love for us, he came into this world, not to judge it first, but to save it. He says, I want my joy to be your joy. And that we have peace with him who restores that relationship with us so that we're not in opposition with him anymore, but that we have communion with him and we'll have that with him on that day when we go to his kingdom. And that we are moved forward by the hope, the assurance of hope, that just as he came into this world once, he will come again and that we will be with him counted as sons and daughters of Christ because his light has burst forth into this world. The Gospel of John tells us that in the beginning, before time even began, Jesus was there. The Word, who is Jesus, was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with him and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, the life that gives us both physical and spiritual life with God. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into this world. And now we have seen his glory. My friends, as we sing Silent Night together from our homes, maybe you have candles that you can light. Remember that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness and that he came because he loved us and that we can have the most perfect gift, the most perfect night, the most perfect Christmas in the midst of all these variables because he lives and he will come again to bring us all with him. And so 
Let's sing Silent Night as we remember and celebrate this wonderful evening that has changed the world for the good.